Alright, so we're in a new series today. We're going to be beginning a series called uh, Fear and Folly. And the title of my sermon today is The Complete Idiot's Guide to Not Ruining Your Life. <laughs> um, and I think that's kind of what the book of Proverbs are. It's a bit of that complete idiot's guide uh, show, showing us how we ought to live our lives, the things that lead to flourishing and the fear, things that lead into folly. Now this series is not going to be like our Ephesians series. I mean, we just finished up, I think, 28 weeks working verse by verse through the book of Ephesians, but now we're going to the book of Proverbs, and it's a very different book to the book of Ephesians. Um, it's written almost a thousand years before uh, the book of Ephesians, so it's quite a lot older than the book of Ephesians. Uh, so I think a better way to work through the book of Proverbs is to deal with it in a more kind of topical, thematic way. And so I'm going to be linking together different proverbs that build upon each other, proverbs that help us understand how we can be interpreting uh, them. So each week we're going to be dealing with a different topic, a different theme, and the way we're going to do it is we're going to look at how it applies to the original audience first, and then how it applies to us. Whenever you read the Bible, that's the best thing to do. Uh, always work out how it applies to the original audience first. And that will actually help you understand how it applies to us now, uh, about 3,000 years later. And so this book, the book of Proverbs, if you've got it, let's uh, turn to chapter 1, right at the beginning. And it's written by uh, Solomon, the famous King Solomon. I'm sure you've heard the name before, Solomon. Uh, he's the king of Israel, and you could probably call him the wisest fool who ever lived. The wisest fool who ever lived. And he's going to contrast two terms for us. The first one is wisdom, and the second one is folly. Now, folly is another word for foolishness, in case you don't know what that means. And he's going to deal with some topics that are really, really big, like adultery. But he's also going to deal with topics that are really small, like don't sleep in in the morning. In fact, he'll even talk in one of, the, one of the Proverbs, he talks about how a really chipper kind of morning person in the morning is like a curse to some people, and I'm like a zombie in the morning, and I, I just resonate with that proverb straight away. Um, but the point of Proverbs is to give instruction. It's to give instruction. It's like it's teaching you things as probably the most practical book in all the Bible. Now, I mean, that's hard to say, it's hard to quantify, but it's definitely very much a practical, a practical orientated book. And it doesn't just tell us uh, who God is, but it's also going to tell us how we live in God's world. It's going to tell us how we live in God's world and how God expects us to live. Now, the book is primarily concerned with this word flourishing. We want to see Flourishing. We want our lives to flourish. And now often what we expect flourishing to mean and what we want our lives to, to be in terms of flourishing is a lot different to what God wants from us or God wants for us. And so that's the kind of things we're going to be uh, picking up. But uh, the book of Proverbs wants to create a people, not just a person, but a people that flourish in all they do. Uh, remember Psalm 1 talks about a tree being planted by the stream, bringing forth its fruit in season. And that's the kind of person we're getting at here. That's the kind of person. In all they do, it says, they prosper. So are you an idiot? Are you a fool? Are you simple-minded? Do you make mistakes? Are you slow, dim-ridden, a, a downright sinner? Well, look around. You're in good company. 
And uh, do we live, even do we live amongst the people who are uh, foolish, people who are confused about things like sex and gender and money and status and power, parenting, relationships, family, even the government? Well, yeah, we do live amongst the people like that, don't we? The Proverbs of Solomon is a book written for a time such as ours. It's going to be about taking fools and simpletons, even downright wicked, sinful human beings, and it's going to turn them into wise sons and daughters of the Most High King, the true Son of David. So let's read Proverbs chapter 1. We'll be reading verses 1 to 7. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and the saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So Solomon's telling us right off the bat his whole point for collecting this book together and collating it and bringing it together. It's to know wisdom. And it's written to sons. Now, if you know King Solomon, he had a lot of sons. And so he's writing his instructions to his sons, one of whom is the future king of Israel. And he wants his people and ultimately his kingdom to know wisdom, to know instruction and to grow in wisdom. Uh, the wise are those who listen. The fools are those who ignore, that don't pay any attention, that don't uh, get involved. They despise wisdom and instruction. Uh, now, Proverbs, don't get it wrong, it's not an academic book. It's not really an academic book. It's not for... I mean, it is for the theologians, but it's not necessarily for the theologians or the philosophers and their ivory towers. This is written for ordinary men and women. This book tells you when to speak and when to shut up, how to conduct yourself in business, how to dress, how to eat, how to laugh. Even it talks about uh, our entire attitude to life and it packages all this up and it says this is wisdom. This is wise living. And a, a chippy... An apprentice chippy could be more wise than a physicist because the chippy may understand more about the reality of the universe. They may understand the laws that guide life better than the physicist who may study natural law their entire life. See, God is king of the entire universe. He's the supreme, super intelligent designer of all things. He set limits into all elements uh, of his world and he has designed it into every level. And so, the good, you know, it doesn't matter what level you're talking about, whether it's the good, the, the true, you're talking about ethics, you're talking about abstract thinking, or you bring it all the way down to what the boiling point of titanium is. Whether we're talking about the oscillation of atoms or the law of physics, God has created and established it all. Whether physical or spiritual, God has set rules and limitations. And a wise person lives in obedience to all these laws. You might ask why. Why does a wise person have to live in obedience to all these laws? Well, remember as a kid, riding your bike, you're having fun, the first time you fell off your bike and you hurt yourself. Well, you hurt yourself because you tried to do something that broke the laws of physics, didn't you? Now, a wise, you know, when you were being more wise and you're growing up and you're learning wisdom, you learn, ride your bike a certain way. 
And you find freedom in that, riding a bike a certain way, because you actually find, potentially, when you work your way up to the more hardcore of things, like a motorbike, breaking the law of physics is a much bigger deal then than when you're riding a tricycle in your backyard. And so there are laws that God has set in the universe, and they are not just physical laws, but spiritual laws as well. And you can see this sort of thing all throughout the structure of Proverbs. So Proverbs 1 to 9, we see uh, the rules for a son to follow. It's about rules for a son to follow. And Solomon's telling his sons, this is how you are to behave. You know, from not running around in street gangs to making sure uh, that you avoid the prostitute that lives on the corner. This is all real word stuff. And we, and we hear about this person called Lady Wisdom. And she's sort of this personification of wisdom. And she sits in the marketplace and she cries aloud. And the marketplace is busy and there's action, there's activity and people are bartering and selling and things are going on. And she's crying aloud for anyone who would hear her to stop and pay attention as wisdom is coming across. And then you've got Proverbs 10 to 29. And this is kind of the bulk of the book. You know, this is the stuff we're all, we all expect when we hear the book of Proverbs, right? This is, you know, the stuff that's written on the calendar and something that, um, you know, someone may uh, sent to you as like framed on a picture and you can put it up on your wall. It's one of those nice wise proverbs. And it's basically just these series of wise sayings and they require thought and pondering. The meaning of them doesn't often yield itself straight away. It's not just something that you can look, read it and go, oh yeah, I know exactly what that means because often those proverbs uh, uh, expand on each other. They parallel each other and you can only really understand them when you read them like that. Uh, we're going to get into that a bit later. Um, but these, you know, sayings, you know, they're very similar to like Aussie sayings. I'm sure you guys have grown up and you had a wise grandfather has always told you things like, you know, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. You ever heard that one? No one? <laughs> Catherine has. Catherine's backing me up. She knows what's going on. What about half a loaf is better than none? Or my favourite one, which I say all the time, it is what it is. That's a good one, good Aussie saying. I say it almost every day. You know, someone always asks me, how are you going this week? You know, how's this terrible thing that's going on? I'm like, it is what it is. Can't do anything about it. It's a good saying. Well, that's what the book of Proverbs uh, from chapter 10 to 29, a lot of sayings like that, but way more wise than the Aussie sayings, way more deep down, and, and they reflect a lot more of God's law. Uh, so, uh, Proverbs 30, it's kind of, book of Proverbs is in four sections. Uh, Proverbs 30, it's not written by Solomon. It's actually written by this guy named Agur. And he's this kind of ideal responder to the book of Proverbs. He's the ideal way that you need to respond. After reading the book of Proverbs, this is who you need to be. And basically, this is who you need to be. Psalm, uh, Proverbs 32 to 3, we're going to get up on the screen. Uh, Surely I am too stupid to be a man. I have not uh, the understanding of a man. I have not learned wisdom, nor have I knowledge of the Holy One. That's a great place to start. I'm too stupid to be a man. Uh, the Greek philosopher Socrates was famous for saying, I know that I know nothing. And he was the wisest man of his time, and he knew that ultimately, in the grand scheme of things, there was so much he didn't know. And it is funny, the more educated you get, the more you realise how much you don't know. I, I knew the most when I was like 15, 16, I would tell you how to live your life <laughs> around about that age. And the more I get older, the more I know nothing. Like, I realize I know nothing, and I have to come to people and ask for advice, because I really don't know what I'm doing. Uh, and that's kind of this posture, this position of humility. You've got to learn at the foot of God. You've got to be able to come before God and say, okay, God, I don't really know anything. Teach me. 
teach. And this is the attitude I want for all of us as we're coming uh, to the book of Proverbs. And lastly, last one, uh, Proverbs 31, is written by this guy named King Lemuel. Now, you may not know who that is, probably because this is the only place in the Bible he ever shows up, the only place we ever know anything about him is Proverbs 31. We don't know who he is. All we know is that he was a king somewhere, and this is his account of his mother telling him something. So we have the words of King Lemuel's mother, the queen mother of whatever kingdom he's from, and his wise mother is giving him uh, advice on how to rule justly, how to do things well, um, all the way from you know taking care not to marry a foolish woman, because you know, if you marry a foolish woman, it could actually destroy your kingdom. Or don't give yourself over to drunkenness, because we know all throughout the Bible, kings who get drunk often do terrible, horrible things. But then she describes this woman in Proverbs 31, Proverbs 31 woman. We've all heard this woman. Some, I mean, some ladies here probably heard it to death and just don't want to ever deal with that proverb again. Uh, but it's this beautiful description of this amazing woman that King Lemuel's mother wants him to marry. Well, that's the woman you should be chasing. That's the woman that will help you in your rule. That's the one that you want. So take good care, King Lemuel, for the character of the woman that you marry. And in that we obviously see the principle that we should take good care of who we marry. So the point of Proverbs, this whole book, that's, that's the structure of the whole book, it's this. It's to show us a whole new way of being human. It's to show us a whole new way of being human. It shows us how to know and identify the laws that God has put in the universe and make wise decisions. It'll help you to make a decision when, you know, your child comes home with a black eye at the end of the school day. It'll show you how to make wise decisions when your partner leaves you. It'll show you how to make good decisions when you get a promotion. Whether you're in trial or you're in sorrow, the book of Proverbs will show you how to be wise. Now, before we uh, get too far and get too ahead of ourselves, um, it's not just about self-improvement. This book is not about self-improvement or having a better life. It does offer improvement, and it does have wise principles for having a better life. But it speaks to a deep reality of the human soul. Because often we do know what we need to do, right? We do know what the wise cause is. Problem is, we don't want to do it. Wisdom comes to us and says, make this decision, and we say, eh, this decision seems better. But there's a reason why all through Proverbs, they're constantly reminding them, don't go to the prostitute on the corner. Now that would be obviously be the case, except for the fact that some young men are gross and are, are tempted by that. And they need to be led in a good way by the book of Proverbs. And so uh, the, the point of the book of Proverbs, I think, is showing us that wisdom is there. And often we know it's there, but we just don't walk its path. We don't make those decisions. We don't want to do it. And uh, Solomon, he's the wisest man of his day. First Kings uh, 4.30 says this. It says, uh, Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the people of the East and all the wisdom of Egypt. But don't get confused by King Solomon because the man is another idiot. He was a complete idiot. The same man who wrote Proverbs, most of the Proverbs that we're reading right now, is the same man who wrote Song of Solomon. I mean, his name is in the book. 
What did he write at Silver Solomon's? He wrote about his passionate love for this woman when he was young, you know, that he was in that space of his life where he was writing poetry and he was full of love and, you know, he wanted to marry this woman and then they eventually do get married and it's this beautiful image of God's design for love and for marriage and for sexual desire. But the same man that wrote that book, in his youth, what happened to him? Married 700 women. 700 women. He also had 300 concubines to throw that on top of it. That's a thousand sexual partners. I don't know how that guy had any time. But it was, I mean, it wasn't really for the purpose. He, he probably didn't even know them all by name. I, I guarantee you. There were a wide swath of them. He didn't even know their name. But each woman he married was another status symbol to this king. You know, look at my harem. I'm this dominant figure. Look how wealthy, look how prosperous I am. He was seeking after status. And Solomon knew what God's law said. It said about the king, you're not supposed to have multiple wives. This isn't very hard. It's very simple. Don't have multiple wives. The amazing thing is, we're studying this book of Proverbs. If he walked through the door, we'd run him out of church. If he wanted to do church membership, we'd be like, sorry, bro, you're going to go divorce 699 of these wives. And so we're reading his book. So for all of Solomon's wisdom, he was a fool. Why? Because although he knew wisdom, he didn't live it out. He knew what he had to do. He knew the right way to go and the right things to do, but his heart didn't want that part. He knew how to be a wise king, but was he a wise king? No. His sons destroyed the kingdom. There was a civil war. The kingdom of Israel split in two because he was a complete failure as a king, Solomon. He was a fool. For all his intelligence and knowledge and wisdom, the fact that his kingdom was prosperous and he knew how to make the kingdom prosper and people traveled all around to hear his wisdom, his kingdom was built on a house of cards and it collapsed. The same person who wrote Proverbs, Song of Solomon, also wrote Ecclesiastes. Now you know that book, Ecclesiastes, towards the end of his life he wrote it and he was chasing women, and he was chasing fortune, he was chasing status and reputation and all these things, good vibes, feelings. And he says this, Ecclesiastes, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What does man gain by all the toil by which he spoils under the sun? Generation goes and generation comes, but the earth remains forever. Really, most of Solomon's true wisdom came at the end of his life when he realized all these decisions were idiotic, were disastrous, self-destructive. He chased every possible avenue in his life that he thought would satisfy his soul, and then he realized at the end of it, what is a proper man? All this toy under the sun, that's all going to get destroyed anyway. I'll never get to eat the fruit of everything I worked for. Solomon realizes, we see in verse 7, Proverbs Chapter 1, verse 7, he says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Here we have the son of David, King Solomon of Israel, the wisest man of his generation in this complete failure, 
And he came to the end of himself and he realizes that all his toil, all those things he was chasing after was meaningless. He was a king, he was unjust, he was self-indulgent, he was self-destructive, and it makes us really, ultimately, this failure of a son of David makes us yearn for a better son of David. We want a better king than Solomon. We want someone who will serve us better than Solomon. We want someone who will rule justly, a better instructor, a better rabbi, a better mentor, a better source of wisdom than King Solomon. See, this son of David we're reading about now, if you look at the start, it says, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David. This son of David, I think, points us to the ultimate son of David, the true son of David, the true source of wisdom, Jesus Christ. And Jesus says this, Luke eleven thirty one. He says, the queen of the south will rise up at the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them. But she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. Solomon was so great that royalty would travel great distances just to hear from him, just to hear his words. And yet the word of God, the light of this world came and dwelt among us. And the people that claimed to be God's people, who claimed to know the law of God, saw him and rejected him. And he says, the queen of the south, the queen of Sheba, who traveled such distances to see Solomon, she will rise up at the judgment and say, something greater than Solomon was before you. I've traveled so far to hear his words, and you have something greater in front of you. You have something greater in front of you. Jesus is saying, Solomon is supposed to incite you to long for him. Jesus is the true Solomon, the true source of wisdom. He not only taught us wisdom, like Solomon does, but he lived it. He lived it. That's the key thing. He lived out wisdom Perfectly. Rather than spouting off all these sayings and then going off and doing the complete opposite, Jesus was true. He's the true Solomon. Colossians 2.3 says this. In Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now that verse is enough to do an entire sermon series on that verse is enough for me to preach a few sermons on. But in a nutshell, Jesus teaches us the real reality of this universe. Now, the Gospel of John calls Jesus the Word of God. God's communication to us. Jesus teaches us how we ought to live. But also how we can have life abundantly, how we can have life eternal. Uh, Solomon at the end of his life says... Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. Jesus, at the end of his life, says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. Before we knew Jesus, uh, we were fools, basically. You know, we were carrying out our own passions, our own desires, we were accumulating stuff for ourselves, we were all living for ourselves, that was our entire purpose was, you know, more for me. And, and Paul kind of indicts us in Romans 1.22 when he says, uh, claiming to be wise, they became fools. He's talking about the entire human race. We think we're wise. Most of the time, we think we're smart. We know what to do, the right decision to make. We're happy to give people advice. But we barely take our own advice. We barely follow through with our own advice. We follow our folly down to the grave. We need a rescue. We think we're wise, but we're fools. And we'll follow that folly 
fires that will lead us, whatever rabbit trail it takes us down. And if, it, if the gospel teaches us anything, if the gospel teaches us anything, it's that we are a people in Jesus renewed and recast in his image. We are different people. We're transformed. We're not the same. We're not the same. The gospel does not lead us to being the same by being changed. Uh, in Proverbs, uh, through God's word in Proverbs, we can bear fruit. But we can only bear fruit that matters if we're in Jesus. No matter if you're the wisest person who ever lived, and everything you do, you prosper, and you flourish, everything just bursts into life around you, and you don't know Jesus, what does that profit you? Jesus says, what does a profit a man? He gains the whole world, and yet loses his soul. All the wisdom in the world counts for nothing if we're not found in him. Solomon found that out when he says, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. And at the end of Ecclesiastes, you know what it talks about? After all this long line of saying, basically, everything's meaningless, don't bother doing anything, you're not going to get any of the stuff you work for, it says that, uh, I'm going to read it just so I don't misquote it. Um, the end of Ecclesiastes. The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of men. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. All of that, that's, that's the end of the matter. That's the last thing that the book of Ecclesiastes has for us. Well, of course, that's the only thing that matters, is God. Fear God. That sounds, that sounds really familiar to something we've already read, right? The beginning. Uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So this sermon series is titled Fear and Folly. You have two choices. Fear or folly. There is no middle ground. It's one or the other. Do we live among a people who are foolish? Do we desperately need a completely new way of approaching everything? Yes. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. It is your starting point. And as we go through uh, this series, I'm just going to tell you right now, you're going to get nothing out of it unless you fear the Lord. Mm. All your wisdom, all your works is utter foolishness and vanity outside of Jesus. But with Jesus, Jesus, the true Solomon, the wisdom of God, you'll be renewed, transformed, and sanctified into his image. There are no easy steps. There's no five ways to gain uh, wisdom. There's no try these easy tricks. There's no life hacks. Walking the path of wisdom will take a lifetime and it will take a lifetime of fearing God. Ephesians 5, 15 and 16 says this. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Remember this? We only did this like a few weeks ago. As we walk this journey of life, you get one shot. Reminds me of an Eminem song. You've only got one shot. Not miss your chance. This is the only life you get. Because those that are in Christ, we can walk boldly and confidently in the Lord Jesus. And you don't have to fear your folly. But if you are outside of Jesus, then you do have to fear your folly. We can walk confidently because he's the better Solomon who leads us into wisdom. Uh, Proverbs 1.20 says this, Wisdom cries aloud in the street. Your lives are busy. There's stuff going on. Everything's trying to get your attention. Will you listen to wisdom? 
Let's pray. Father, as we uh, look around at this world, we see folly, we see foolishness, we see a disregard for your word and a disregard for your son, Jesus. But Lord, we, we know you. And Lord, you bring your kingdom, you build your people. And this comes from your hands and your hands alone, and this is your work. Father, I pray for my friends here, my beloved brothers and sisters who know you, who trust in you, who fear you. I just pray, Lord, that they would never move from that fear. That they would understand that the fear of the Lord may be the beginning of understanding, but it is the middle and end. Because the book of Proverbs starts with the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord, and Ecclesiastes ends with the fear of the Lord. Help us, Lord, to fear you all our days. To know that you will judge every thought that we have, every attitude of our heart, and Lord, that is just utterly terrifying. But because of your Son, Jesus, we can know that we are free. Because of your Son, Jesus, we can be bold and confident because of our trust in him that he has paid the debt we could never pay. He drank that cup down to its drink so that we could walk free. Father, he's the greatest Solomon. He is the wisdom that the true north, the lighthouse that guides us into all wisdom and flourishing and truth. And Lord, I pray for our church that we would just be a flourishing tree that brings forth our fruit. So Lord, help us to fear you, put you first, and know you above all else. I would thank you, Lord. We praise you in Jesus' name.